Hello, and welcome to the My Bible Life Podcast with your host, Vanessa Upkins. If you're not driving, get your pens, pads, and devices, and get ready to journey through God's Word together for the next few minutes. And if you can't make notes right now, be sure to save, download, or bookmark the podcast to listen again later. Oh, and don't forget to follow. Now, without further ado, here's Vanessa. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. It's another week and it's another Bible study. I'm so happy that you're here. We have a lot to cover on this Bible study. You know, last week we thought that, well, I thought that we would be able to do everything in one episode, but it got so deep. And so now we have two episodes. So we're still talking about a question about fasting. We're in the book of Mark chapter 2 verse 18 through 22. But before we start, I'm going to start off with prayer. Father God, we just thank you. We praise you for this beautiful day. We thank you for our life. We thank you for your blessings. And Father God, we know that there may be some that have questions about fasting, just like in the scripture in your day, that they had a question for you. And Father God, we ask that the Holy Spirit make it plain and make it clear that all of our questions are asked because we know your deepest desire is to have our hearts and to have a relationship with us. So we praise you, we glorify you, and we thank you for this Bible study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, well, we're ready to get going. We are in the book of Mark chapter 2, verse 18 through 22. I'm going to go ahead and read it from the very beginning, refresh what we talked about on last week and uh, with the backstory, and then kind of go from there. So go ahead and grab everything that you're needing for this Bible study, because it's always a wonderful adventure. Mark chapter 2, verse 18, starting in verse 18, and it says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and the worse tear is made. And no one put new wine in old wine skins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is destroyed. And so are the skins. But new wine is for new wine skins. So if you're joining us for the very first time, again, no worries, because I will go ahead and just kind of set the scene of what's happening here in these scriptures here. So the backstory is that they are at Levi's house. And so Jesus is being asked these questions um, about fasting. And I encourage you, if you did not listen to the last episode, please listen to part one, because I go into a lot of details about this question being asked to, to Jesus. So he's answering them back. He says, 
can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is still with them? Hmm, let's talk about that. I really like the way Jesus answers a question with a question here to get people thinking. So he's using the analogy of weddings. So weddings during their days was a big celebration and it will go on for days and days and sometimes weeks. And mind you, Levi, who is Matthew, is having this big feast. And at this feast, Jesus is there with the tax collectors and the sinners. And this question is being asked, why come your disciples aren't fasting? So we have the wedding guests, we have the bridegroom, and so we know what the wedding guests are. So the bridegroom is a man who is about to marry or have just been married. And the question he says, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Now, mind you, at a wedding, when you have the bridegroom and the guests and every party is there, the bride and everything is a big celebration after the marriage ceremony. And so here Jesus is asking a question, can the, the wedding guests, are they to fast? Meaning, are they or not to eat? Oh my goodness, it's a feast. They are to eat because the bridegroom is there. So Jesus is referring to himself as the bridegroom. Now, over in the Old Testament, you may be wondering, is there any references about God mentioning bridegroom and and a marriage ceremony? Oh, yes, there is. So, all right. So write this down. In Isaiah chapter 62, verse 5, Isaiah's prayer for Jerusalem is what it is. In verse 62, verse 5, it says, the bridegroom rejoices over the bride. So God will rejoice over you. And so you may be wondering, who's the bride? <laughs> so the bride is the church. The bride is you and I, the bridegroom is Jesus. And in Isaiah 62, the bridegroom is God. He's rejoicing over Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the bride in this situation. And so now we have Jesus on the scene and he is the bridegroom. And so you may be wondering, are you right about that bride? If you go over to Hosea chapter 2, and starting in verse 19. In Hosea, it mentions God's love for Israel like a wife or a bride. So we can tie all of this together. So go over to Hosea chapter 2, verse 19, and we'll just read 19 and 20. And you can always pause this episode, just pause it and find it, and then uh, we can read together. But it says, I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine and you will finally know me as the Lord. This is God speaking of his love for Israel. And of course, Israel is the bride. So let's look at that question one more time. Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? So here the wedding guest is representing the disciples. The disciples are with Jesus. Jesus is the bridegroom and they are having what? A feast. <laughs> They're having a feast right there in Levi's home. 
And of course, Levi is Matthew. So this big feast, that is the answer here that Jesus is getting, is saying, but of course, they don't get it. They don't understand what Jesus is saying there at this moment. And then he goes on to say, as long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast in that day. Jesus is saying that he is not going to always be with the disciples. There's going to come a time when he's going to be taken away. And of course, we know that he is speaking of his crucifixion, his death and burial, and also the resurrection here is coming too. But he is speaking, there's going to come a time when he's going to be taken away from them. And at that time, This is when the disciples will fast. Then starting in verse 21, Jesus says, No one sews a piece of untrunk cloth to an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it and the new one from the old and the worst tear is made. Verse 22, And no one puts the new wine in the old wine skins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine will be destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wine skins. Okay, so let's unpack this one. So we have the untrunk cloth, and we have the old garment. And no one sews a piece of untrunk cloth on old garment. Jesus uses this illustration to show that no one should put untrunk cloth on an old garment because it doesn't blend. It doesn't go together. The garment material is completely different from the untrunk cloth and it will tear. And then you have new wine versus old wine skin. Now to unpack this, Let's go on a little adventure how wine is made in the Bible time. And this will kind of better help us to understand what Jesus is relating here about the new wine. Many years ago, my husband and I went on vacation to Rome, Italy. And while we were there, we happened to go to a restaurant that was located in a vineyard. And they had what you call the stumping of the grapes. And so they went around to each table, selecting a couple of people from each table in the restaurant. And I was one of the ones that was chosen from the table that we were on. And so I had the opportunity to go in with a group of people into this booth-like container. And underneath our feet was grapes. And you would stomp real, real, real hard. You had so many minutes to do it. And whichever team had stomped out the most grape juice, they were the winner. It was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot about how wine was actually made um, in Rome, Italy today. Back in the Bible time, there were several different methods that of how they made wine. One of the methods were the crushing of the grapes, which I just explained. So they would crush the grapes and then they would let the juice ferment for a few weeks and that started the wine process. Another method is that they would boil the grapes and it would produce a juice and they would add this honey or um, berries or other type of sweeteners and this produced what you called a 
sweet wine. And then the third way is that they would add water to the grapes and they the grape juice and this would make the wine weaker. So there was many different ways to, to make the wine. And so the most important thing here is that we understand that wine was used in a lot of different religious ceremonies. They were used in, of course, celebrations like the the wedding ceremony, which Jesus is referring to, and then just everyday life. And even today, we are still celebrating with religious ceremonies and celebrations and everyday life when we go to a restaurant. Okay, so let's talk about the wineskins and how it's made and what it was used for. So wineskin was made out of this goat skin or some type of an animal, but it was this this bag. It was a leather bag that was sewn together and it was used to store the wine and also to transport the wine. So Jesus said that the new wine must be put into new wine skins. Now this is because the pressure of the fermentation will cause the wine skin to expand. So if you put new wine into old wine skins, there's no room for the wine skins to expand. Therefore, the wine skin would burst and the new wine would be wasted. So Jesus is explaining here that new wine must go into new wine skins. I'm looking at it like this, like the new versus the old. So we have like the new cloth, the new wine, and then you have the old garment and the old wine. The old garment and the old wine symbolizes the old ways of the Pharisees was doing things. They had added so much to the law that it was almost impossible for the people to follow. People were following traditions that was not even given by Moses in the law. Jesus is saying, we don't mix new things with old things. Another way to say it, God has presented something better than the law. God has sent Jesus. The Lord spoke in the book of Isaiah. Let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 16 through 19. Okay, this is what it says. Remember not the former things, not consider the things of the old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Jesus is doing a new thing that has sprung forth in the Galilee area. The word is out about Jesus and his teaching, and it is springing forth. Jesus is like the new wine for the fresh wineskins. Jesus is the new wine and he has a new message for the people. As we remember, his new message is to proclaim the good news and teach the people about the kingdom of God. Jesus is the way, but also he has a new way of doing things. Jesus keeps the law, but did not keep all the old traditions of the elders or the customs that they added to the law. This is why he was constantly challenged by the Pharisees. Jesus told the people that there will come a time when the bridegroom will be taken away and the disciples will fast at that time. Jesus tells the disciples later in the book of John 
that he will be leaving to prepare a place and that they will know the way. This is over in John chapter 14, verses one through six. So let's go over to John chapter 14 and verse five, Thomas says to him, this is what it says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But Jesus will come back and there will be something like a big wedding feast. It is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let's go over to Revelations in chapter 19 verses 6 through 7. John talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus comes back for his bride, which is the church, the believers of Christ. This has not happened yet but is soon to come. Okay, this is what it says. This is John chapter 19, six and seven. Then I heard what seemed to be a voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sounds of mighty peals of thunder crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the almighty reign. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. I like what it says in verse nine, and the angel said to me, write this, and this he's talking to John, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. We want to have an invitation. We don't want anyone to miss this one. Also in Revelation chapter 21, verse two, John says, I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepare as a bride adorned for her husband. I'll stop there, but let me encourage you to just keep reading. This is why Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. It is so much to learn about the kingdom of God, but this is the marriage supper and Jesus will be back. Well, I told you that we would have another adventure today. I know you probably have some really good takeaways from today's lesson. I have one big one. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to share. The new wine represents Jesus and the Holy Spirit's work in our life. He leads, teaches, guides us, and so much more. The new wine skins represent our new life in Christ. You and others will see the change when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And you might ask yourself, well, how can I become more like Jesus? Well, we can start by just simply reading the word and studying the word, learning his nature, his character, how he talks to people, how he treats people with love and compassion. And the longer we walk with him, we will start to produce good fruit, which is that new wine that only Jesus can give us. Let's take a quick look and look at the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five, verse 22. While you're turning over there, this reminds me of my aunt Diane. She is such a giver. She's always giving gifts, her time and willingness to help others. I hope God will bless you with someone like my Aunt Diane. But let me get to the point of while I'm talking about her. 
She gave me six books that covered one of the fruit of the spirits. There are a total of nine books. The name of the book is Nine Fruits of the Spirit. It's a devotional series and it's by Robert Strand. And it has really blessed me. So it's like a Bible study that covers each of the fruit of the spirit. If you're over there in Galatians chapter five, starting at verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with this passions and desires. Each day, as we continue to grow in his word, just remember that Jesus is pouring new wine into our new wineskins, and we become new creatures producing good fruit through the Holy Spirit, which is the nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my friends, we have come to the very end of our Bible study for today. I want you to remember the My Bible Life study questions that I would like for you to answer after each Bible study. Number one, what is God saying to me? Number two, is there anything that I need to correct in my life? If yes, what? Number three, what area in my life do I desire to see change? Number four, how can I apply what I have learned today to my life? And number five, what is my action plan and when will I start? Thank you again for joining us today and please share this podcast with a friend and I look forward to seeing you again on next week. You've been listening to the My Bible Life Podcast with your host, Vanessa Upkins. We pray you have been blessed by the word today. This weekly series was created to increase your faith encourage you in your walk with him and to give you inspiration to continue moving forward with confidence toward fulfilling the work he has already begun in you. Since you're already here, we invite you to follow, share, download, and help us to reach more people to join in with us. Let's share the love and his word so that they too can be blessed by the My Bible Life Podcast, currently on Spotify, Audible, and Podbean.